Welcome to the Sex Travel Sports Food Podcast with your host, Cousin Cornbread, on A-N-D-S Radio. That's ain't no damn station radio. We're delivering this straight to your earphones, your car speakers, and sound bars on that Wi-Fi, hotspots, Ethernet, T1 lines, shared data plans, or however you get on the internet. And we about to go ahead and get this commentary in and solve life's problems. Y'all ready? Set. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cornbread. Hey, as promised, man, this is part two. Back with uh, that Egypt travel review. This part two, I'm going to just vade y'all in on this joint, man, and get y'all straight into it. The continuation from part one. Check it out. The next day, man, you know, we do the light. I think we stayed up again late playing spades and dominoes and all that. And then the next day, we flew, got flewed out. Okay, we got flewed out to Cairo. I'm sorry, from Cairo to Luxor, which is like an hour flight. And we landed and went directly to uh, my favorite thing on the tour, on the, during the whole tour. All 10 days we were there, this is my favorite thing at the Temple of Karnak. Okay? Now, the Temple of Karnak, we're the largest temple ever built to God, apparently. That's what the that's what it's claimed to fame. And um, the craziest thing about this joint was that it was just so big. It was like just so spread out. And the part that was open to the public had all these big, massive columns and stuff in it, right? Like the diameter of these joints was like six feet in diameter. And you know something crazy like 40 feet tall. 50 feet tall, something like that, right? Like, them jumps was just crazy. They was just huge. Um, and on top of the columns, they had these things called, Arch- mm, I'm best to join up, architraves? <laughs> architraves, right? Which is basically these big slabs and beams that would sit on top of the column. And so they had these, it was just a big open air complex with like, you know, tens of columns in in these six foot wide columns everywhere and all these statues in, and it had a lake, it had all kinds of stuff, the joint was popping, right? It was like the best, that that Temple of Karnak, that's where you want to (laughs) go. And you could, I felt like, I'm not a big old spiritual person and all that, but you could feel the energy in that joint, the way they had that joint set up. Like, when you went in there, the way they had everything set up, the way those columns were set up, the way everything was just constructed to, like, have certain points and point you in certain directions, that joint was crazy. That joint was lit. And to me, there's no way that they built that stuff with what we would consider, quote, unquote, primitive tools. Ain't no way. They just had, it's just, they must have had some just crazy stuff we didn't have, no, we don't have evidence of, right? <laughs> Cause there's no way we they were just sitting around here whittling this joint with some, some some hammers, some mallets and and uh, chisels or whatever, you know. And one thing that my tour guide mentioned is that out of all the things they had written on these walls, right, everything they had written on the wall, they got instructions about stuff. They got instructions on how to make essential oils. They got instructions on 
how to embalm somebody. They got instructions on all kinds of stuff. Instructions on how to do mummifications. Instructions on how to do all kinds of stuff. All this stuff about the deities and all this stuff, all the gods. But nowhere on any wall have they ever found a writing or a drawing or anything to show how they actually built the structures themselves. And that's crazy. Right? Like, that's some crazy thing when you think about it. Like, how come they ain't write that shit down? <laughs> how come they ain't put that out there? Right? So that, But I'm telling you, man, this Karnak, if, if you ever go to Egypt, if you don't see nothing, you go to see that Karnak. Um, that joint was amazing. Uh, and you, you'll you see them joint. And my pictures don't do it justice, but you'll be able to see this how big it is. You can see how big I am standing next to these columns. And I look like a little roach. <laughs> and that joke, that joke was crazy to see in person. Because some of this stuff, like I said, you you can't really appreciate how big it is, even from the videos and all that stuff. Even when they put, oh, well, this is next to the Empire State Building or whatever. It is. You just can't. You can't imagine how big this stuff is, in my opinion. Anyway, I couldn't anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, they had all kinds of stuff at Karnak. They had the columns, they had the uh, the obelisks, they had uh, little mini alternative versions of the sphinxes with ram's heads instead of the human head or instead of the lion body and all that stuff. They had all kinds. It was popping at, at, at the Karnak. <laughs> Party at the Karnak over here. You hear me? And uh, the other fun fact I got about Karnak that I looked up actually is that it was actually... One of the only things, one of the only uh, structures and sites that was used by uh, over like a thousand years. It was used by over 30 pharaohs uh, over the years at different points. And so some of them added stuff onto it. Some of them uh, used it in its current state, but most of them just added their own little thing or extended it. So that's why it's the most, it's the biggest thing. It just kept growing. And it basically extended across like three or four different quote unquote dynasties in Egypt. So it's crazy. Thousand years, man. That jump, that jump was outrageous. <laughs> uh but yeah, man. So then we 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 left Karnak and um we went to our new home, which was gonna be uh for the next five days, our new home was gonna be on these river boats. And these river boats was going to cruise us down the Nile and we were going to go on our, all our little tourist stops down the Nile, which I thought was cool, but I had never seen a riverboat before. So my idea of it, I thought it was going to be kind of like a little mini carnival cruise ship. <laughs> but this joint, but these boats were shaped like little boxes or big boxes, I guess, but they were shaped like boxes instead of, you know, the traditional, what you would call as cruise ships uh, format or whatever. And you know they had like a, they had everything on there too. They had a little store in there. They had uh, on the bottom floor. They had a party room upstairs, bar upstairs. Even though Egypt, by the way, is a dry country, so if you go to Egypt, get your liquor at the duty free before you get before you go to the hotel or whatever you're gonna do because you can't get no liquor out in the street. But uh, they had a bar that was overcharging us. I ain't even gonna get into that part. We we got really upset about that. Or well, me and some people anyway that found out the real prices of the liquor that they were charging us. <laughs> Man, that joke, I forgot about that too. Just right now. They was they was overcharging us on that boat. But um it was a cool ship. 
But I had never seen that. A party room upstairs, the bar upstairs, and they had like an outdoor dining area um, and like a little rooftop pool and lounge area with with, uh, with like beach chairs and stuff, like lounge chairs out there. It was cool, man. And I had never seen one before. And the, and the crazy part is I ain't even take no pictures of it. It's all the pictures I take. I never took a picture of the of the lineup of boats because we were, you know, every time we at the dock, you could see all the boats. But I didn't take a picture of it, so my bad. I'll get I'll steal one from somebody in the group. But um it was just cool to see. And I didn't know. Like I said, I never seen a riverboat before. I didn't know they had these floating hotels basically on the water. And it's clearly a big business in uh in Egypt because it was at least like twenty boats docked when we got on. So that was cool to see. <laughs> River boats. Learn you learn some new stuff when you travel. That was one of the new things I learned when I travel just now on this trip. Um and one one crazy part about the docking situation, you know, like I said, I mentioned it was like twenty boats. We had to walk through boats sometimes to get onto our boat. So they would be lined up, kind of like a valet almost. And in order for you to get to your boat, you had to walk through two or three or four boats just to get over to your boat because your boat was on the outside. I was like, man, I feel a little trapped in here, man. But uh, it was crazy. Like, we, ain't, I didn't expect that because they had told us we had the whole boat to ourselves and it was the Haitian nomad trip, right? So basically, I think everybody on the trip was, was black, right? And I opened my door and looked down the hall, I mean, down the steps, and it was about 70 uh, Europeans on the boat, Caucasians. I was like, oh, shit. I thought they said we had this boat to ourselves. <laughs> little did I know they was just walking through like we would also be doing later in the, in, in the, during the week where you're walking through everybody's boat. You got to walk through the boat to get on. But it was funny to see. Cause I was like, oh, man, we about to have some company on this boat. But nope, you just had to walk through it, which was a weird thing I wasn't ready for. <laughs> Another thing, man, is that uh, the way they had this at the docking station, I'm sorry, not the docking station, like I'm talking about a computer, but where we docked initially, they had like these little shops on the side, right? So I ended up going over there getting some water, and this dude was also selling cartouches in there for the low low. So you remember I said the cartouches at this other spot was like $300 for the gold ones and like $30, $40 for the, for the standard uh, sing the standard silver joints, right? So I'm over here talking to old boy, and I end up getting a good deal on a cartouche at this spot. I had the little black background with the gold letters and all this stuff, and at the other spot, that zone probably would have been like hundred fifty dollars, something like that, right? So I ordered a cartouche. He gave it to me for about sixty five dollars, and I keep him moving. Now at the same time, I ordered a cartouche. For old boy in the trap shop, we got to leave because we going to our next attraction, which is the Luxor Temple, right? So we go to the Luxor Temple. It was cool. But now I done went to Karnak and like basically nothing else is impressing me at this point. <laughs> so now I'm like a column snob and, you know, I need to, everything needs to be grandiose up to the, the level of Karnak. Okay. And, uh, you know, we walking around, Luxor was cool, man. You know, we about to get back on the bus. And the tour guide tells us that we going back to a different port because the boat moved and switched docks. 
Now, at first, I ain't think nothing, nothing. And then I was like, oh, shit. Switch docks. I hit it with the soldier boy. Switch docks. What you mean? My damn cartouche is over at that other dock. Where we going? <laughs> I'm like, yo, y'all got to chill with this flawed ass logistical situation y'all got going on over here. So they done apparently moved the damn boat two docks down, two uh, piers down. So I'm like, man. So I tell my tour guide, you know, look, I ordered a cartouche from the spot next to the boat. I mean, like, where we going? How do I go get back to it? And when I tell you, she looked at me in my face with the most disgusted look on her face in the whole world. She was like, why would you ever buy a cartouche off the streets? <laughs> and I'm literally looking at her like, girl, what do you think? Because it was 40% cheaper than they were charging at the, the Egyptian Tiffany's that y'all took us to on the first day that was trying to scam us out of the money, right? I mean, I know y'all get kickbacks over there or whatever, because, you know, every bus they bring through, I'm sure they get kickbacks on how much everybody spends or whatever, right? But he, he trying to have me go to the Egyptian Tiffany's and mad because I tried to get my cartouche for the low and save me some money, you know what I'm saying, from my cousin at this joint, <laughs> my brother cousin over there at the trap joint. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm like, man, how the hell I'm going to get it? So she's like, well, you better go back and try to get it now because the boat could leave at any moment. I said, are you serious? And now I'm running down the marina like OJ in the airport in that old that old uh, commercial he did, right? I'm literally running, hurling people, jogging. And... I'm sweating, you know, I'm fat, I'm tired, I'm speed walking, I'm doing all I can do trying to get back up to the, wherever the, this place is. And now there's this little Egyptian dude following me talking about, hey, brother, brother, I know you from the boat. Are you on the Regency or whatever our boat? I think our boat name was Regency. Yo, you're on the Regency. I'm your cook. I know you. I see you. I can make your lunch. Tip for me. Tip for me. What? What you talking about, dog? I, hold on. What? How you know me from the boat? How would you ever know me from the boat if you was in the back cooking? <laughs> That's the first part. Second part, why do I have to give you a tip for doing your job? You was cooking on the boat regardless, right? What Did you ask everybody else on the boat for a tip? Why would I give you a tip for cooking? And I ain't never seen you before. <laughs> and I had to say seat with the T. Why would I ever give you a tip? That's crazy. But he was definitely following me the whole time. And I was like, man, look, get out of here. I'm just looking for my cartouche, dog. That's all I want in life right now is my cartouche. Okay? So now I done found the shop. Old boy who owned the shop was like either high or drunk or both or I don't know because his eyes was halfway closed and he was wobbling. So I'm like, hey, man, I'm back with my cartouche. He's like, oh, cousin, my brother, of course. Da, 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 da. So I was like, all right, man, what's up with the cartouche? I got to hurry up because... The boat about to leave. Okay. It can leave at any time according to my tour guide. So he goes, and I'm like, I ain't got no time to waste. I'm looking at it. You know, it looked fine. It, it wasn't, the gold wasn't popping like I wanted. He told me it was going to look better later on. I said, well, I guess it got dry out or something. I don't know. Some kind of scam he told me, whatever. <laughs> so I jogged back down the dock, trying to get to the dock. And now the hustle men who were out there earlier, you know, trolling us, right? Asking us, you know, they were like, oh, come buy our chains and, you know, all this stuff. Like their little regular order, their little regular, um, what do you call it? Their little regular trinkets that they were selling to the tourists. 
Now I go back at night, right? In this dry country, right? You can't get no liquor or nothing. So these dudes in the Koofies that were selling, you know, little chains and pearls and all this stuff earlier. Now he's talking about, hey, I got the best weed you can find right here. <laughs> I said, what? The weed? Come on, dog. He was like, oh, you don't want weed? You don't smoke? I like, nah, I don't smoke. He's like, you don't smoke nothing? I said, nah, dog, I don't smoke. Do you, are you supposed to be smoking in your koofy? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm confused right now. Then he was like, okay, okay. How about Egyptian pussy? I said, oh, Lord. See, he, <laughs> he go, Egyptian pussy is better than American pussy. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> and I was like, yo, first of all, I'm mad you got to chill. Okay? Because you can't just be out here selling weed and pussy on the side of the boat. Because it's nighttime now, man. I just came out here for my cartouche. That's all I wanted in life, okay? And my boat about to leave. I'm mad, okay? Trying to sell me Egyptian weed and Egyptian pussy at the same time. Where I'm putting the weed and the pussy? Is the girl going to get on the boat and go with us? <laughs> I was like, yo, they just really going hard out here. I couldn't believe he offered me that for real. Because they had like, they was... They was trolling, but they was trolling on some regular stuff at first. But now he on the straight weed and pussy. He was like, oh, yeah, it's time. It's uh, <laughs> He's like, it's New Year's Eve. Make sure you got the girls. I was like, you know what? He does make a good point, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't even think about it at that point. But then when he said that, I was like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> so, look, so I barely make it back on the boat. And uh, that night we had this New Year's Eve masquerade party on the boat. Everybody dressed up in there, galabayas and the face mask and everything, and it was cool, you know. But the crazy part is, this is the first time I ever had to dance in a dress, right? Because that's basically what the galabaya is—it's a dress, okay? So I'm over here at one point trying to uh, 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 dip it low on one of these songs, trying to keep up with these girls. And I just realized I had to hike my Galabaya up. <laughs> I realized this is the first time I ever danced in a dress. I can't, I can't even, I can't take over for the 99 and the 2000 in this Galabaya, in this dress. Okay? Got to make some adjustments. So, you know, shout out to y'all ladies that be twerking in them dresses. <laughs> I guess you get used to it over the years, but that was my first time. So, sheesh. <laughs> Then I go outside, man, and, you know, everybody chilling or whatever. Went upstairs on the roof. They blowing the horns, all this. All the boats are blowing the horns. The city lit. And uh, the same time I was up there, I saw some of the, the ladies from the Sisters Traveling Solo group. And I taught them how to airdrop because they don't know how to use their iPhone. So shout out to those ladies. I show how to use the airdrop on their iPhone because as an Apple iPhone user in the ecosystem, I always talk about stuff that you can't do on droids. That's another thing. Just a little shot across the bow at y'all droid users. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, but the party was good, man. And um, I was motherfucking tired. <laughs> Cause remember, this is like, I don't even know what day this is now. This probably was like day four, right? And now you go into the next day, we go over to the temple of... Queen hat shit soup. I, I messed that all up. <laughs> the twin, the temple of queen hat ship soup, not hat shit soup, hat ship soup. 
and uh, the Valley of the Kings, right? And the crazy thing about uh, Hatshepsut is that she was the second female pharaoh of Egypt, but she eventually started rocking the lace front beard, okay? On all her statues. So anytime she would get somebody, to, she commissioned somebody to make her a statue or to even draw a depiction of her or whatever, she told them to put a lace front beard on her, you know, because she wanted everybody to think she was a male pharaoh so she can get the respect so they wouldn't be coming on some fuck shit. You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was funny because a lot of y'all's boyfriends <laughs> in 2018 and 19 have also started rocking lace front beards. Okay? Lace front and Beijing beard. So this goes to show you that nothing for real, literally nothing is new under the sun, man. <laughs> Jeez, who knew they was rocking Beijing and BC? <laughs> I tell you, man, y'all, hey, that was that was very eye-opening to me. But yeah, then we went over to the valley. So went over to the Valley of the Kings. It was right, you know, it was near uh Hat Ship Suits Temple. Hat Ship Suit Temple was popping. Uh then we went over to the Valley of the Kings, and that was cool because look. What happened over here, I don't know. I'm giving y'all a history lesson on a lot of this stuff, too, from or, or Cornbread's version. Cornbread's random version of history, right? So, over at the Valley of the Kings, they had gotten tired. The reason they had the Valley of the Kings, they got tired of everybody destroying and robbing the pyramids and all this, right? So, they said, forget all that. We're going to just start boring a hole into the side of these mountains and put our tombs in these mountains. And so they found this this mountain that looked low-key like a pyramid, right? Like the shape of a pyramid. And they was on some old work smarter, not harder type mantra. So they started building their temples. I'm sorry, their, uh, um, their tombs into, these into this mountain, right? And let me tell y'all, so King Tut's tomb was up in here too, right? This is where they found King Tut's tomb. Now, King Tut's tomb was about the size of a large one-bedroom condo. <laughs> Right, so out of all the accolades that, or all the attention that King Tut usually gets about being the pharaoh and all this stuff, his tomb was like the smallest one, right? Because he died so young. I think he said they say he died when he was like fourteen years old. So his tomb wasn't really supposed to be his tomb. So he got somebody else's tomb that was in the process, and they put him in there. But it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing spectacular, right? He was in there. They had a, they had a, they had his mummy in a glass case in there. That was crazy to look at. Um, and then they had like one of his um things with his like uh, what do you call it? Not the sarcophagus. One of his like uh treasure boxes that was over in there too. So it was cool to see that, you know. But his tomb wasn't elaborate or that spectacular at all. Now, the other joints that was up there though was popping. Right, like so, the Ramses, the Ramsey boys, like all the the, the King Ramses, Pharaoh Ramses, their joints was lit, right? And they had like two or three up there, and all their joints was dope. You walking like a thousand feet, something like that, into the mountain, okay? And until you get to the main chamber, and all the joints, while you walking in, it's like telling the story about this king, right? And so, all the pigment from the paint 
all that junk was still fresh, still looking good. All right? And it was decorated top to bottom the whole time you walking in. Okay? So those were the junks that were lit. And it was a few of them. And you, it's just crazy to see that it was still intact. This bear paint I get from Home Depot right here, this don't already be smudging after two years. <laughs> you can't even keep that junk looking good. They got this junk up here for centuries. You hear me? Shit was crazy. But to see that junk in person, man, to see all that stuff, how how vibrant everything was and how they was they just put so much effort and dedication into building these tombs, man, into the side of a mountain. Which is amazing. All right? Um... So when I die, I want y'all to bury me in the Egyptian-style tomb. Okay, it don't got to be a 1,000 feet into the joint, but uh, I'll take a 1,000 square. I'll take the, the King Tut version, maybe a little bit bigger than King Tut's version. I'll take like a 1,500, 2,000 square foot tomb. You know what I'm saying? Bury me in that. I want y'all to paint stuff on the wall, like Bob, get Bob Ross-inspired paintings on my wall, too. <laughs> And some abstract joints. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, that joke was crazy. Don't bury me in the Louis store with two chains. <laughs> or the booty club. Bury me in the Egyptian tomb, dog. That's all I'm trying to ask you. You know, make sure y'all make that work. I'm putting that in my wheel, matter of fact. Let me go write that. That joke was crazy, man. But yeah, so then next day, uh, the main little feature for the next day, we took a horse and carriage ride into um, to this town and to go see the Temple of Horus. Right? So y'all just go look up who Horus is, man. Because I, I ain't going to get y'all a whole Egyptology thing right now. But we went to the Temple of Horus. And it was cool. And, um, you know, at this point in the trip, I mean, I'm like completely templed and pharaohed out. Right? I done, so we done seen... All this stuff, Karnak, the pyramids, the Great Valley of the Kings, all this stuff, man. I'm like, man, if I don't never see a daggone Pharaoh again, I'm good. If I don't see no more sand again, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, man, we got up into the jump and the temple was cool. Uh, the, course, the horse and carriage ride was interesting because they had hundreds of these horse and carriages waiting on us, man, to shuttle the tourists from all these river boats over to this site. And the pad, the crazy part is that these little kids would run up next to the carriages and beg for money. And so it was a couple of little kids. I mean, that little kid, he they ran like a good quarter of a mile <laughs> next to this damn horse and carriage. And I was just like, man, I feel bad for these little kids. Right, because they was over there pointing at their mouth like they were starving and hungry and all this stuff. And then I didn't feel bad for them because I was getting scammed. I got scammed twice. Right? I got scammed at the Great Pyramid and I got scammed at the market. So I was like, you know what? Look, fuck it. Y'all need to go ask them dudes at the market for your money, man. Since y'all been scamming me for the last three, four, five days. I ain't got no mercy for y'all, man. If they wouldn't have scammed me, I might have some more Egyptian pounds to give you. You know, it's a cold world out here. <laughs> cold world, man. But um, yeah. And so we we go to the uh to the temple, Temple of Horus. It was cool. Come back. Funky ass horses shitting everywhere. And the thing is, our driver got in a fight. Well, not a fight. He got in an argument with another horse driver. So that was crazy to look at. 
Cause they both standing up on that little on the horse on the carriage, cussing each other out, and both of them got whips. So I'm like, man, somebody got this smacked in the face with a whip, and that's gonna be some crazy shit to get. I try to get it on camera, but they ain't smack each other. So they they was peaceful at the end, but they was definitely arguing, and they they was arguing as people I ever seen. I don't know if it's because they were competing for money, but everybody we had is like a driver or something like that was always fussing. <laughs> Well, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so this was the first day out of all these days that we had some downtime anytime before like 6 or 7 p.m., right? And when I tell you we got back around like 1 o'clock and I went straight to sleep, I ate lunch, went straight to sleep and slept till about 9. And that night we had another party. And I almost missed that shit because I, I was knocked out because I had to go in there and get that sleep before my roommate came back. <laughs> He was out living his best life somewhere. I was sleep, man. I was getting all the good Z's. You hear me? But yeah, man. And then, you know, we get back on the boat. We had a party. It was cold. Uh, next day, we hit Aswan. I'm sorry. Aswan. A-S-W-A-N. Um, and the cool thing about this day is we went and saw this unfinished obelisk. And um, it was crazy to see it because it was the first thing that we saw that was like still really in process that they were, that was actually in the process of being quarried. Right. So it was big as hell. <laughs> you know, I know that ain't really, uh, you know, complicated. It was just so big, right. To see, like I said, a lot of this stuff wasn't the main thing about me was just how grand the, the stature of stuff was just crazy. So this damn thing was sitting in the ground. Right, and you could see that they had begun, began to shape it, and dig it out, and you know, and chisel it out, and all this stuff right out of the rock. But it was there, and it was just huge. It's like how long? How the hell long did it take them to dig down in there? Even without modern technology stuff, it probably would took them forever just to start querying that joint. And um, just in the side of this hill, just like out in the middle, you know, all of a sudden you just see this big ass. You know, it's like the Washington Monument. That's what the obelisk is. If you don't know what the obelisk is, it's the, like the Washington Monument, right? The Washington, D.C. Monument, that big thing with the triangle on top, right? Big column, triangle on top, right? So they would quarry these things, and it was just crazy. And then to me, it was just, there was no way that they pulled these joints with ropes, like regular-ass ropes. No way. <laughs> it's just simply... No way. They had some kind of crazy dope machinery that we have no clue about. It. They ain't drawing the wall. They ain't leaving no remnants of it. Or the alien took it back with them or whoever. <laughs> and then on this same day, man, uh, we took a boat. We took these little boats over to the Temple of Philae. And that was probably the most scenic site that we saw. Uh, it was just chilling on the bank of the river looking real grandiose and you, you know i got pictures of it i can't even really describe that in for real and the pictures don't do it justice either but that was definitely the most um that was definitely the most scenic temple that we went to that was, it had the best setting i think out of all of them um and this same spot is where you bought some of the spices and the coffee and all this stuff but the crazy part about this is that they weren't ready for like I guess our big group, I don't know if other groups came through as big, but they weren't ready for us. Like it was like 90 of us, right? So 
we pulled up, it was a big rush. Okay, and that checkout process at this spice and coffee spot wasn't right. You know, so I just took advantage of my size at this point because it was like me and like mostly, you know, women and a couple of dudes, but I was one of the taller people there, right? Taller, bigger people there. So I, you know, I had to boss up and get big on them and just reached over everybody and yell real loud. I don't usually yell real loud, but when I do yell, you can hear it. You know what I'm saying? So I just yelled out whatever the hell I wanted, right? And he got it to me, and I reached over everybody and walked away because I couldn't deal with the lines. <laughs> I was getting flashbacks like all the lines we got in D.C. Everything is a crowd. And, you know, I, I didn't want to be stuck in, uh, you know, traffic to get my spices. You know what I'm talking about? So I got some spices for me and one of my friends, brought them back, man, and, that was cool. That was cool just to see the spices and stuff. But, there was, you know, it was just a bad checkout process. We're going to have to get them up, get them some cash app, get them some little um, square readers, stuff like that. We're going to have to do that, get them getting them caught up, okay? <laughs> and then, uh, let me see, Late, later that day we went to um, Nubia, which is a region that is in the south. That's Like I said, it's, it's further south on the Nile. And they told us that historically these people didn't really mix with outsiders, right? And that they spoke their own separate language, right, in Nubia. Uh, and fun fact about this, Joan, is where this is where the kingdom of Kush comes from. So I know a lot of people always hear about Kush, right? So, boom, this is a little fun fact for y'all. <laughs> Everybody heard about the Kush incense and whatever woke people you know probably always talking about Kush. You probably got something that got Kush on a T-shirt with a black fist or something like that. Black power fist. So that's where Kush comes from, Nubia in Egypt, all right? Um, so, yeah, so these Kush people, though, right, the Nubias, the Nubia people, they look different than the, right, the Egyptians in Cairo, okay? These were definitely the Nubian. This is where Nubian clearly came from because these people were darker, and these they had the OG African facial features, right? They had the full lips, wider noses, and all that, right? And so we pulled up to Nubia on these boats. Uh, that was a whole nother experience, right? That was crazy getting up there. The, the ride up there on the boat was nice, but getting off that boat on the makeshift dock they had was real suspect. <laughs> like it was, it wasn't a dock actually. It was, it was just like somebody. It was somebody's backyard. That we crawled up in, okay. Uh, then they went. We went to somebody grandma's house that they gonna convert it into a tourist attraction, okay. And they was definitely still living there because there was like laundry and baby shoes and all kinds of stuff all over the floor, okay. When we walked in and they randomly had a whole crocodile tank in the middle of the house, okay. And then they had somebody giving henna tattoos and all this kind of stuff. So it was cool. But the crazy thing about this was that, you know, they tell us this, they gave us this whole story about how grandma, you know, how, how the house set up and how grandma and her family, you know, how they lived out there and historically how they, you know, watched for scorpions. They had this whole sand floor and they gave us the history of why they had a sand floor so they can see where the snakes and the scorpions would come at night and all this kind of stuff. You know, and they were selling this whole thing, and then you can go pet the crocodile, and you can do all this stuff. But then 
they also was like, you know, and grandma's nephew got a shop outside. Okay. So y'all go support the shop, you know, spend some money with them and support their economy, blah, blah, blah. Right. Cool. And it was better. I was like, yeah, all of us was with it because we, you know, we was waiting to get the new because they had sized it up like the night before. They was like, yo, tomorrow's going to be like the best joint of your whole life. This was going to be popping. So we was like, yeah, yeah, black power. It <laughs> was like basically like without saying so many words, they were like, here where the blackity black people live. Right. So we get over there. You know, so grandma, cousin, grandma, nephew got a shop outside. So I'm like, all right, let me go support. I was looking for some sandalwood oil. All right. So I go out and looking for the oil. I stop at the shop. Nephew selling me something. I think it's sandalwood oil. <laughs> okay. Get back to the boat and find out it's a scam. So apparently the locals and the hustlers would mix the essential oils, right? with vegetable oil and other random other oils to sell it. And that's how they cut it, right? So they cut it by cutting it with vegetable oil and stuff. And so that's how they would cut it and flip it. And so I basically had a big-ass bottle of essential oil crack. Not not the pure cocaine. Not the pure. Not the pure. Not the uncut. Not the Wall Street. I ain't had the Wall Street coke. I had the, I had the Baltimore crack. In the bottle. I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, yo, uh, Grandma Nubia's nephew is out here selling the scam, you know, selling that cut, selling that that cut dope. You know what I'm saying? That gets you killed in real life on the street. Somebody sell you that cut. You hear what I'm saying? Nephew Nubia out here scamming. I'm over here trying to support this, support nephew. And he out here running the scam. He could have at least gave me some halfway legit oils or whatever now granted i knew it was possibly going to be a little scammy which is why i held off on buying it from the other spot they took us to where they had the um what you call it like the the real essential oil place was charging a, a grip i already spent some money over there so i wouldn't want to spend no money with them <laughs> but yeah, man, I was like, yeah, you know, I knew it might be a little scammy, but they were like, nah, dog, that joint is like lavender. And some other shit. It's everything except for sandalwood. Put it that way. <laughs> they were like, it smells good though. You should use it. But it ain't sandalwood. And it ain't like, it ain't 100%. <laughs> and I was like, all right, true, true, true. And then the crazy thing is, Nephew Nubia was acting like I had took him for all his money. You know, they was, they was actually good at that. They were actually good at making you feel like they actually gave you a deal. When you really found out later that it wasn't a deal by any stretch of the imagination, right? But they did good at like playing that up. They should all get uh, SAG awards, Screen Actors Guild awards for just best supporting actor. Because <laughs> they was out there scamming us left and right, man. But uh, yeah, man. So that was it. Was cool though to go to Nubia. I think all of us wish we would have spent more time in Nubia because it was the blackity black place, and we could have been spending. It. All the money we were spending all over the rest of Egypt, we could have saved some of our money and spent more of it there. And we could have been having the same, getting the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know that. But it was cool. It was a good experience to see them, man. And uh, the next day, though, we uh, we fly back to Cairo. And uh, we went to a museum. But, you know, the you know, Egyptian museum got the stuff in there, but... 
after you see the stuff in real life, in, like on site, like outside or whatever, or in the temple, in the side of a mountain or in, you know, uh, to the museum stuff to me was just like, I, I don't really need to see that. <laughs> I was like, Shawty, I don't really need to see this jump because um, it just can't compete with seeing the, the big stuff and the, or the stuff that's like in this natural or in this original place. You know what I'm saying? Even they had the King Tut mask in there in the museum, the all gold mask that you or everybody seen before, right? The, the, the most iconic version of the King Tut mask. And I was just like, I guess. I guess. I guess it's cool. <laughs> then they gonna run the scan because you had to pay like five dollars to get a um a picture ticket to take pictures in the museum. But then you get in there, they tell you, you can't take pictures in the King Tut part of the museum. You're like, well, what the hell I paid to take pictures for? <laughs> well, I guess that's for the other tourists who don't go to the sites. But I couldn't imagine somebody trying to pay. Like, the whole point, if they got the King Tut mask in there, they take pictures of the King Tut, right? Like, that's the whole point. So they was, so Everybody was just scamming back to back. It was cool. It was foolish. But I, I see King Tut's whole body in the tomb. The mask ain't really that exciting no more, right? <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, the most so the most interesting thing about our last full day for real was that they had camel race for me anyway. That they I saw camel racing on TV at the hotel. So that was another first for me. So now I done seen the river boats, and now I done seen camel racing. And I never even thought about that. They had that joint on like it was the NFL playoffs. <laughs> and the camels are out there running like greyhounds. You know, you ever seen a greyhound race? That's how they was running. Ain't no jockey or nothing like that. But they had like these little robots on the camel's butt that was strapped to the camel. And the, the robot had a whip. And it would just like hit the camel on the ass to make it keep running. <laughs> and them camels were getting it in. They was racing like, they was racing like hell. And I, ain't, I would never suspect that there was such a such thing as camel racing. Interesting, man. That was crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that was the last day. And uh, I'd already told y'all about what happened on the last, last day, like the the, last, the morning of our, our departure. You know, about the, you know, about the carcastic situation I had the next day. But that was the last full day, man. Ended it watching camel racing and drinking some uh, mint tea or whatever it was I ordered from the bar. And uh, that's it, you know what I'm saying. So that was that was that was the Egypt trip, man. It was a good trip. Uh, shout out to the Haitian Nomad and uh, the Sisters Traveling Solo Group for pulling off a great large group effort. And we pretty much ain't had no drama, right? I can't remember anything that happened logistically or per- people wise or anything. I mean the 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 group of people was great. Uh, all that, man. Everything seemed to flow real smoothly. Uh, 90 people. Pretty much nothing happened. Shout out to them, man. Um, even though we had dead-ass police escort, escorts and armed guards the whole time, I never really felt unsafe or unsure or whatever. I was annoyed by the hustle men. That was the only thing. They got to do the tour, the Egyptian tourism board or whatever. Got to get that under control, but that ain't got nothing to do with our folks and the planning and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, one one thing I will say though is that 
man, we got to have uh, more of the fellas come out to these trips, man. It's like the third group trip I've been on, and each time I've been on one of these group trips, not with the Haitian Nomad, but it's my first Haitian Nomad trip, but anytime I've been on these trips, man, it's always just not a lot of dudes, man. You be like, yo, where are all the dudes at? Y'all don't like traveling? What's up, dogs? Y'all don't like traveling, man. Come on. Get your passport. Book your flights. Book, you know, get on these group trips, man. They got payment plans. You know, they got the itinerary. You can look and see what's going to be popping. Get on these trips, man. Because it was like, it was 90 people, and I think it was only like 13 to 14 men on the trip. That's crazy. That ratio is out of line for so many different reasons. <laughs> I mean, like, just the, just, just from a regular social interaction standpoint, that ratio of like almost nine to one is just out of out of control, dog. So y'all need to, y'all fellas, man, get on these big trips, these group trips, go on one at least one a year. Uh, go follow the Haitian Nomad. Go go get in some of these travel groups, man. See what's popping. Y'all just can't spend your whole life tricking on hoes in the DR. You hear me? <laughs> and in Miami and all that, man, don't, mix it up a little bit. You know, still go trick on the hoes, I guess, if that's what you like to do. But, um, yeah, man, get on these big trips, man. Get outside your comfort zone or whatever it is, man. Go out here and get on these good trips, man. And, uh, Pull up, represent for the fellas. All right. Um, and the crazy thing, hey, if anybody is listening, and um, y'all, let me tell y'all something, man. If any of y'all listening, and your lady was on a trip, and you you one you one of these fellas, your lady was on a trip, y'all owe me big if you got a cartouche when you got when she got home, okay? Because what happened is. I went and bought a cartouche. Like I told you, I had to run back down the dock to get it. Now, my cartouche was different than a lot of other people because it was a little bit heavier. I got like a thicker one, double-sided. It was heavier, has a little black involved into it. It was a manly-looking joint. So then all the ladies who had their little booze back at home saw my joint and was over there trying to, you know, hook it up for their man. You know what I'm talking about? So if y'all, if y'all got a cartouche from your boo, when she got back, just know your man, your favorite cousin, your favorite play cousin, Cornbread, helped you out, dog. Okay? Because you wasn't going to get nothing. <laughs> maybe she was going to bring you some essential oil so y'all can smell good. And then maybe she was going to bring you that. But even I was testing out a lot of y'all scents, too. So I probably smelled like a couple of y'all before you got it when she got back home. Okay? So make sure y'all shout me out. You know, say thanks, cousin Cornbread, for uh, putting the cartouche in my lady's heart. You know what I'm saying? Letting her see what the manlier joint version would look like. So the regular cartouche is a little feminine looking to me. You know what I'm saying? So I had to make sure I got a joint that was a little bit is uh, brawny, I guess would be the best word. I don't even know how I came up with that just now. Brawny? Is that a paper towel or is that a real word? I think it's both. Right? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. So I got one. Of those. So shout out to me for that, for him cooking y'all up, man. But, um, yeah, it was cool, man. Make sure y'all fellas get out there. It was a great experience. I think overall, um, it was a great group dynamic. And there was a lot of great networking and stuff that happened on the trip, too. You know, that's another benefit of some of these group trips is that you meet a lot of people you would never come across in, in general. From all over the world, all over the country, all that good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, you meet some new little 
business partner, travel buddies, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's a good good deal. And whoever listened to this joint that met me on the trip, shout out to y'all. I appreciate it. Y'all are real MVPs. I hope you come back to listen. Go listen to some of the old joints. You know where I had a whole sex, travel, sports, food layout mixed, you know, with the with the mixed topics. Go check them jumps out, man. You hear me? So I appreciate y'all, man. Oh, and the last thing I learned uh, is that T-Mobile works in a lot of countries without you having to switch or add on anything. I have a ride inside to add on coverage. About day six, I broke down and, and added on a phone plan because I couldn't take it no more. Uh, and my phone wasn't hooking up to none of the, the Wi-Fi's for whatever reason at the hotel or on the boat and uh day six i was suffering and uh you know up until that point though it was cool to kind of detach and unplug from the matrix man then as soon as i get back on as soon as i get back on uh on the matrix get my service back yeah i got all this fuck shit happening in the united states (laughs) got r kelly going on you got trump still going on you got all this i like oh this is all negative why did I even get this service back? Lord Jesus, have mercy hanging on the cross. Have sold my soul, please. Lord. But anyway, man, let me get up out of here. Um, Like I said, once again, I appreciate all y'all, man, for coming back and for all my new listeners. And I'm out of here, man. Please go subscribe. If you if you listen to this, wherever you listening to it, at, subscribe on that platform. I'm on, like, everything right now. Apple podcast stitcher uh spotify youtube google play our heart radio soundcloud basically anywhere you can get a podcast except for title i think and i don't even know if title has podcasting but basically any platform you can get a podcast on i'm on it so go just look up either cousin cornbread or sex travel sports food podcast and i appreciate y'all man you know leave me a review slide in my dm slide in my inbox whatever you want to do let me know how you feel and follow me on every social plat uh social media platform cousin cornbread all one word on everything all right and it's cousincornbread.com if you want to go listen to this show directly on the site you can find it there and you can go oh you can go look at you know anybody that saw my t-shirts and all that stuff you can click on there shop shop at cousin cornbread man all right so you can click it on there or you can go on my uh, site cornbreadscloset.com where all my t-shirts and other apparel are posted for my uh, statement tees and all that stuff and I appreciate y'all man so I'm gonna get up out of here and don't forget my three keys to life as I say on every show number one stay ready so you don't have to get ready number two always make a plan or you'll always work for somebody who did make a plan Number three, don't drink and drive. You might spill some. Log out.